Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. All right then, shall we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Simplify Jesus, where we're breaking barriers through communication. So, we're talking about Moses still. We've got a couple more to go, I think, for Moses. Yeah, yeah. We've gone through what? We've gone through his birth. We've gone through his call to ministry. We've gone through the first nine plagues. Uh, last week, we talked about the final plague, which finally gets Moses out of Egypt and the rest of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Moses leading Israel into the wilderness. Um, so, as we said last week, we talked about the final plague uh, against the Egyptians, uh, and that was the killing of all firstborns in the land of Egypt. That included Pharaoh's son, mm-hmm. and you know, adults and kids alike. Uh, didn't matter who, if you were the firstborn, you were gone. Was it? Did we say males, or was it females, or was it just a uh, just the sons, firstborn it was just sons. The sons. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, with that happening, this was the birth of the Passover tradition that uh, the Jewish culture celebrates uh, even today mm-hmm. around Easter time, mm-hmm. and um, this was especially big uh, for the Israelites to celebrate God passing over them literally and not killing their firstborn because they had faith that, that He wouldn't, and they did what He said by putting the blood over the doors. So as I mentioned, Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go after this plague, and um, God led the Israelites out to the wilderness. Of course, Pharaoh, being who he is, chased them down <laughs> and uh, tried to get them to come back or kill them, whichever. Yeah. Um, but God delivered them by parting the Red Sea and allowing them to escape safely through the the dry land underneath what was the sea. And as the Egyptians went through to chase them down. God told Moses to hold his staff up again, and the Red Sea crashed down on the Egyptians, and all of them drowned. I love that we can still find, you know, there are there are people out there doing the research, and you can still find uh, the the parts to the chariots and, yeah. and different things like that out there in the middle of the, the sea. Um, that's just really cool. I love the way it just kind of makes it tangible and mm-hmm. makes it real. I mean, obviously it is, but as I said, this week we're talking about Moses and the people in the wilderness, and Matt's going to take over from here and tell us the story. So, so the very first thing that Israelites did after they get through the Red Sea and the Red Sea crashes down over Pharaoh is they start singing and praising God for the deliverance. Exodus 15 is basically one big song that Moses led the people in. And it's it's a really long song, and it recounts the whole story, right? It, it tells the story of the plagues and how you know God brought the water down over them. It's just a really cool moment for the Israelites to do that. If you can imagine six hundred thousand men plus their families, you talk about that, you know, million and a half people, two million people maybe, um, all all singing praise to God. It's a pretty pretty cool moment. Uh, I was having a hard time finding the melody when I was reading through it. I just, <laughs> I just couldn't pick it up. Yeah, something was lost in translation between the Hebrew and English. <laughs> For sure. Nothing uh-huh. rhymed. I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Aaron's sister, Miriam. So you remember Aaron was uh, is the guy that's kind of the spokesman for Moses. His sister, Miriam, led them in a shorter verse, uh, Exodus 15, 21. It says, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. It was a good time to be an Israelite right now. <laughs> um, it was really good. And, and 
it's it's cool to see that that's their first response kind of you know stepping out of the story it's a good reminder for us to you know remember when good things happen to, to give god some credit for it and not such a good time to be a, an egyptian soldier yeah no kidding <laughs> No kidding. Don't be against God. That doesn't go well for you. Right. Uh, it does not go well for you. So so they get out there, and um, they've been out in the wilderness for three days, and they couldn't find any water. You can imagine they're in the desert, and, and so there's uh, – you would want to have some water. You got you to have that. So um, they so they came to a place that was called Mara, um, and it had water, but it was so bitter that people couldn't drink it. And I'll be honest, I don't know exactly what it means by bitter. Uh, I don't know if it's like salt water. Maybe. Uh, hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I yeah. don't know. So, for whatever reason, um, it was it was really bitter. Couldn't drink it. In fact, the name Mara means bitterness. Um, that's how the place got its name. So, now, they're, you said they're in the desert walking. The mm-hmm. wilderness is what they're calling it, but it's the desert. When you say wilderness, I think of forests and yeah. that kind of, kind of environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I wonder if they... If this place Mara is in the desert, or do they get through the desert and they're like, "Oh, finally, water"? I, you know, I don't know. I I kind of imagined it being like a like an oasis, you know, like a little you know, like a little watering hole in the desert. Okay. I mean, so all of this is in the Middle East. Yeah, um, good point. And so and so, it's going to be more of that more of that desert kind of climate. Not that there couldn't be places that that have that, but that but that's how I've always imagined it is more of an oasis kind of place. So that's a good point. When you put it in perspective like that, yeah, it's in the Middle East. That's a lot of desert. Yeah. Okay. It's hot <laughs> There's a lot of dry. sand. <laughs> yeah. So the Israelites, you know, they, they think they found water. They didn't. And so they, they were grumbling against Moses and God. And this happens a lot. You're going to hear this a lot throughout Moses and when we get into Joshua and all that. They grumbled a lot. Um, <laughs> in the last 2,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that hasn't changed. <laughs> but no fear. God had a plan, and he showed Moses this particular tree. I'm not sure what stood out about it. But when Moses saw it, he, I guess, had the premonition of like, hey, you know what I should do? I should take this tree, and I should throw it in the water. And the water became drinkable. So shortly after they get there, he throws this this tree into the water, and all of a sudden, its bitterness goes away, and they can drink the water. I didn't catch that, but it doesn't say that God said, hey, throw the tree in the water. It's just mm-hmm. like, hmm, this might work. Yeah. Well, and, it's, and you get the feeling that like... You know, like God kind of nudged him like, hey, hey, see mm-hmm. that tree over there? But like, it doesn't say that he got that direction. Maybe he did, but it doesn't specifically say that. Yeah. And it does call that out in a lot of other places of like God said, right? you know, it's kind of. It's interesting that he didn't tell him because he's telling him everything else. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of where I'm confused. Yeah. I wonder if Moses forgot to write that part down. <laughs> I mean, he did have a lot to remember. He did. He, he did write the first five <laughs> books of the Bible. So he. <laughs> he left out that little detail. <laughs> uh, you know, I noticed that with one of the plagues the other day, too, just jumping back. It's between plagues three and four. So the, between the, the gnats and the flies, that it doesn't record that Pharaoh told him to get rid of them. So it made me wonder, were the gnats and the flies there at the same time? Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, that is a good good catch. Or Moses just forgot to write it down. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. The things you think about. Yeah. Um, this just further proof that man did write the Bible. God inspired it, holy, but it was guys writing it down. So, 
So he did that. He threw the tree in the water. It became drinkable. They got their water source. And shortly after that, they moved to a place called Elam. And there, there were 12 springs of good water. There were 70 date palm trees. So they camped out there for a little while, got some food and some water, some nourishment, and uh, and hung out for a little while there. I'm sure they were, they were pretty happy to be there. So after a little while, they moved on from Elam, from their nice little oasis, and came to the wilderness of Sin. So they get out there, and the Israelites, once again, are grumbling. This time... They're saying, you know what? At least in Egypt, we had meat and bread. We could sit by our stove. We could eat good. And they always find something to complain about. But God doing what God does. He says, okay, fine. I will provide. I will make a way. And so he gave them some kind of specific instructions about where their food was going to come from, what they were going to have. It says for six days of the week, God would rain down this bread from heaven that that they called manna. And so um, basically they would wake up in the morning. There'd be a dew all around the camp. And whenever the dew evaporated, there were the fine flakes of bread that were left that God provided for them. Exodus 16.31 describes, it says, The house of Israel named the substance manna. It resembled coriander seed, was white and tasted like wafers made with honey. And so that was their nourishment. It's kind of interesting. It does say in there that the first like the first day that he gave them quail for meat. But otherwise, they were living on manna for a while. So they gave him quail and then said, no, you can't have that anymore. And here's manna for the next however long. Pretty much, yeah. Man, that's rough. Yeah. Like, I mean, manna sounds pretty good, but it's eating the same thing for, for a long time. Yeah. Well, he could have just given him some quail. Yeah. Just or some rabbits or some deer or. <laughs> Ooh, if, you know, if I were stuck in the wilderness venison, I could, I think I could do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I could have made that work. But also, I mean, they were they were obviously again. Let's let's go back to the timing the the time that we're talking of right there in the beginning of the Bronze Age, right? Mm-hmm. So, did they have the the spears and the the things that it would take to track down and kill an animal of that speed? And I think that those things were around, yeah. You know, but I don't know how much the Israelites had. I mean, given they were they were slaves in Egypt, right? So had they had they made their own weapons? Do they have that stuff? I'm not sure. They we'll see here in a little bit that they actually do get in a battle. So they've got to have something there. But I but I don't know. I don't know as far as like hunting, like you know bows and arrows, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, the things, the questions it brings up, the questions we have, and you know what? I bet the answers are out there. I, I do. I, I bet the history yeah. is recorded mm-hmm. somewhere outside of the Bible mm-hmm. that tells us kind of what they had. We could get access to that, but we don't know what it is, and we haven't looked. So yeah. if you yeah. find something. Let us know. Yeah, shoot us a note. We would love to add that in. So with this manna, they were given really, really specific instructions on how much to collect. And so um, each family was to gather two quarts of manna per person uh, in their household. So family of four, you're gathering eight quarts of manna every day. And everything that you collected had to be eaten that day. You couldn't leave anything overnight. Uh, If you did, it would go rotten. It would have like worms in it. All of that kind of stuff going on there. So that was how that worked. The the one exception to that was on the sixth day, God would provide enough for everybody to take basically two portions for themselves. Um, and so you get those two portions of four quarts per person, cook everything that you're going to cook, bake it, boil it, whatever you did to prepare it. And then you'd eat half of it on the sixth day and then you would have it ready for the seventh day. And this is the very earliest other than the creation story, the very earliest sign of the Sabbath and kind of the need for rest and God's call for us to rest. And I find it interesting that if they got too much the first five days, mm-hmm. it would spoil the next day. Yeah. 
but they doubled what they got the sixth day and it was still good the seventh day. Yeah. Got it work once more. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, and, and I think it's, it's interesting. He told them to prepare it. So like get it all done. So I'm sure if they didn't do anything with it, they just got it and left it in a jar or whatever, that it would have spoiled just the same. That's true. He did um, tell them to, to prepare it, cook it, do all that mm-hmm. stuff. Cause you're not going to do anything on the Sabbath. You're mm-hmm. going to, you're going to shut it down. So, which, you know what? We, we started kind of doing that recently. Mm-hmm. We've since stops because life, um, <laughs> but we got to a couple months where we were doing everything from straightening up the house, taking out the trash, doing dishes, make sure there were no dishes that were going to drive us crazy if they were sitting there all day, you know, on Sunday. The only thing we did was get up, get dressed, get ready, go to church, Hmm. serve at church, worship at church, come home, and we would sit and watch TV or read or just chill out and have a family day and do nothing, and it was amazing. Yeah. We've gotten away from it probably since school started, I think, just because Hmm. the week's so busy. Yeah. But I would love to get back into that again because it just, it, it, it feels amazing. It, it does. And, you know, it's one of those things that when we're intentional about it, like we can find the time, but, but it's hard to, it's hard to get in that routine. Right. It um, it's interesting. One of the things I'm, I'm reading a book right now um, in preparation for an event we're doing uh, next weekend called let's talk. We're talking about technology in the home and kind of you know, how, how much technology's influence our lives, what we can do about it and that sort of thing. And, and how, what's the biblical approach to it. And one of the things that the book I'm reading talks about is how busy we always are because technology is so available. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have our phones right at our fingertips. And so what would it look like if we didn't multitask so much and, and multitasking, not meaning you're trying to do five things at once necessarily, but even something as simple as I'm driving and listening to music or I'm doing the laundry and I've got a podcast going like what's, what would it look like if we simplified it down and just did one thing at a time and we just let our minds work, you know, and it brought to mind like, wow, like that need for rest, that need for simplifying things down and just taking a deep breath every now and then it's, it's a big deal. And that's, that's really what it's all about is we need rest. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, I'll drive between San Antonio and Houston regularly, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is about a three hour drive. And I don't know. 15 years ago, probably even 10 years ago, I could not imagine leaving my house without the radio on. Hmm. Now, I love that I will do a three-hour trip and never turn on the radio hmm. and just think and pray and and kind of mull over things the week and what do I have to do. And Now, I might, uh, you know, pick up my phone at a stoplight and be like, you know, oh, I need to do this, a reminder, because I get things mm-hmm. coming. I, I love being able to do that mm-hmm. without any interruption and, and yeah. no radio or anything. Well, that's one of the things, um, the book that you introduced me to, uh, Redeeming Your Time, mm-hmm. Jordan Rainer, like the importance of having that that quiet time to just process through and and having having an ability to record that, right, so you know what's going on. Um, it's, it is underappreciated in society today, the, the need for just the... Yeah. And... Yeah. So we got here because we were talking about the Sabbath. So yeah. sorry if we rabbit trailed there. But uh, it, but it's good stuff. It's, <laughs> it, it, it all ties in. It all ties in. It does. In. Yeah. It does for sure. So that's where true. were we, Matt? So talking about the Sabbath, that's established. God established this. And they had this manna um, the whole time they're in the wilderness. And so a little bit of a spoiler alert. They're in the wilderness for a long time. Uh, it was about 40 years that they spent out there. We'll talk about why in later episodes. But And he teased um, them with quail only one day. 
just, just one day. I feel like it comes back around. I can't remember for sure, but I feel like that comes back around and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> but uh, shortly after they get their mana, um, there was some more grumbling about water. Of course, God being God, he provided again. But this time it was a place called Mariba. And so God instructed Moses, said, look, get some of the elders and go to this rock at Mariba. And when you hit the rock, water will come out. And so he goes, he takes the elders does what he's supposed to do. Water, fresh water comes out and the Israelites are provided for. This seems like a short little footnote and it is at this point in the story. However, keep this in mind. Down the road, this is going to be really important. And big part of why they're in the wilderness for 40 years and actually why Moses doesn't make it in the promised land. If you haven't heard this story before, just hold on to this little detail because it's going to come back around. It's an important one. Yeah, that's a big spoiler right there. Yeah. the Mo- Moses doesn't make it in. What are we doing? Why we am can- I even listening to this? <laughs> we're the worst storytellers ever. (laughs) Uh, So they get through Mariba, they get water, they get nourished. And then they run into a group called the Amalekites. So they're at this place called, I guess the city or the area of Rephidim and the Amalekites attack the Israelites. So if you think about it from the Israelites perspective, they ran away from Egypt, didn't really have anything with them. Well, I say that they plundered the Egyptians, so to speak. So they had some stuff, but they've been on their feet for a while now. They're eating nothing but bread. They don't have a whole lot of protein. Water's been scarce, all that stuff. And then they get attacked by this Amalekite group. We'll talk more about them and, and what was what else was going on in the world. So they're, they're, not, they're not in the best fighting shape, I'm sure. But Moses told Joshua, look, go pick some warriors. Get the best men you've got and go to battle. And so Joshua takes off. He takes his men and goes to battle. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur go up to the top of a hill. And they go up to oversee the battle. While Moses was there, he had a staff in his hand, and he held up his hand over the battle. And whenever he held up his hand, the Israelites were the ones prevailing. They would, they were, they were knocking them out. But as his hand dropped, the Amalekites would advance and and start winning the battle. And so, kind of this cool moment of Aaron and her. Um, they're I kind of imagine them being on either side of Moses, holding up his hand, holding up his staff, so that the Israelites would eventually prevail. But it's it's really crazy how. One, that they got attacked out in the wilderness. That's crazy in its own right. But to see Moses and kind of the faith and the the drive that Aaron and her had in supporting him to make sure that Israel won the battle. Yeah. Every time you say her, I keep thinking of the other Charlton Heston movie, Ben-Hur. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, So that was kind of a really cool moment there in the wilderness. And then we've got one more little side story here, and that is about a man named Jethro. So we talked about him just a little bit. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. He lived with him and took care of his sheep out in Midian when he ran away from Egypt. And so I guess somewhere out in the wilderness they reconnected. Maybe he was kind of in Jethro's territory. Maybe they were around Midian at this point. Yeah, because then they like meet up somewhere, and Jethro mm-hmm. came to meet him, and they... Yeah, they... They, I think they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. It says something like they crossed paths or... Yeah. So, so, somehow Jethro ended up back at the Israelite camps. Yeah, um, I seem to remember. How weird. How are they crossing paths in the middle yeah, of the wilderness? Yeah. <laughs> they they must have been somewhere close by. Yeah, I don't know. They didn't like call each other up on the phone and say, hey, I'm coming to see hey. you. Meet me over here. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in your zip code. Let's hang out. Yeah, uh, I'm curious <laughs> how that all works out. Like, yeah. Send a pigeon, uh, send a camel ahead. I don't know. There's a big group of people over there. Let me go see who that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they get together and, you know, they do some catching up. Moses is telling Jethro about all the crazy things God has done. And, 
you know, everything that happened in Egypt and with Pharaoh and the Red Sea and all that stuff. But Jethro is sitting back, and as a father-in-law does sometimes, he identifies problems with what his son-in-law is doing. <laughs> he, he, he sees uh, Moses out there, and Moses is the only one judging all the people. And by judging, we're not talking about, like, you know, condemning people, but as people had problems and, and needed help in working through situations, what does God want me to do here? All of them were coming to Moses. So you can imagine with well over a million people, that's a lot of people, to come to one guy. And so Jethro tells him, look, Moses, what you got to do is you've got to set up a chain of command here. You've got to be the head honcho. You're you're the guy in charge. God picked you to be in charge. But you've got to have people under you, some elders, that will represent you and, and that you trust to make good judgments to help these people out. And then they'll have people under them that they trust to make good judgments. And so the only way it makes back up to you is if it's the big stuff. And so the first rock star was born. Right. <laughs> first celebrity. That's right. <laughs> Moses. The first businessman. <laughs> well, it, and it's so interesting. Like you, you read the old Testament. I mean, you read the Bible in general and it's everything that happened was over 2000 years ago. Right. And then this stuff, you know, Three, four, three or four thousand years ago, but you see that sage wisdom there. It's like, oh, yeah, wow, that's been that's been true since. Yeah, you know, this isn't a new John Maxwellism that we need to delegate, right? Like this has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Right. It's it's cool that you know there's some things that really haven't changed. Well, it's cool that it's biblical to have your 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 leaders under you, right? Mm-hmm. The world, of course, doesn't see it that way. That's just good business sense, right? Right. But this was established way back in the beginning. This is my favorite part of this story, is mm-hmm. that God set that in place and said, this is the way you've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it came from Jethro, but yeah, you know, you know, in the Beverly Hillbillies, Jethro is not a very smart guy, <laughs> but this guy's pretty smart. <laughs> this guy's pretty smart. <laughs> you know, and I think about that. I heard, and maybe it was John Maxwell, Dave Ramsey, somebody like that. You know, they, they say in business for every seven employees, you need to have a leader above them. Hmm. And seven seems to be the number for some reason. And isn't that the number that in here as well? Wasn't I feel like I don't remember where, but I think somewhere in here that we're going to eventually come to that number is seven that they said. It doesn't specifically have seven, but seven is kind of the so it, so the way Moses breaks it down is um, you have people over thousands and then over hundreds and over fifties and over tens. And so he's got to set up that way. But you think about the number seven, the number seven shows up so much mm-hmm. um, in, in the Bible. And it's one of those you know, interesting story threads that you see all over the place. Like there's seven days in a week and the seventh day is the day of rest. Um, seven days of creation is kind of where that comes from. Right. But you also have like seven is the, the perfect holy number. It's, you know, when, when something is good and complete, there's always seven of them um, right. happen seven times. And so, uh, interesting that seven is the number for leadership as well. That's interesting. That, that that's been a number that that seems to be a theme. It is, and I and I have to laugh all the time. And we might get hate mail for this, but <laughs> um, I find so. Here's something y'all don't know about me. My birthday is seven 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 seven, <laughs> but it gets better. I was born at four oh three. That's fantastic. So why? That that is not just yeah luck. <laughs> it's just it's just to make your noggin go. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess it's better than the alternative of all sixes. Yeah, huh? yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> 501 on 6666. No. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, I certainly don't think of, you know, anything like that. I joke that, you know, seven's the number of perfection, so I must be perfect. But <laughs> that's a question I've had for, Yeah. I mean, since I realized that, why? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just a little side note there. Also, You're welcome for that little tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the life of Bill and Matt. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. So so Jethro gives Moses this, this sage wisdom here. Moses puts it in place and sends Jethro on his way. And, and that's where we'll wrap it up for this week is it, it feels like some disconnected stories, but it's it's all setting up for where we're headed in Israel being in the wilderness, and the establishment of the law and all that stuff. This stuff really kind of sets the sets the table for what's to come. Well, it's a framework for for Moses to be able to carry out all this stuff that God's yeah. about to ask him. Um, because now he doesn't go have to go to all million people to say, look what God's done. He can go to his leaders yeah. and say, hey, God just did this. Go mm-hmm. tell the leaders under you. And then they go tell the leaders under you. And then, you know, it just, uh, it just saves time. It's more efficient. And he's not going to work himself to death like that. Right. I mean, remember when he was during the plagues and all, I think it said he was – 80 something years right. old. He's, he's not a young man. So right. he needs yeah. all the help he can get. At that's point. right. <laughs> but that's just, um, I don't know. I just, I just love that way back when this was set up and, and, and still today, that is wise advice. Yeah, absolutely. So going into this, then you, you kind of mentioned it earlier and we'll, we'll skip to that. Because you mentioned it earlier, you said talking about the Malachites, that's kind of your your segue into what's going on in the rest of the world. So what is, what is about them that's happening here? Yeah, so just thinking about the Amalekites, you know, who, who were they? Um, where did they come from? Um, so some of the biblical context clues tell us that they're likely from the line of Esau. So I think it, it was his grandson was Amalek, uh, the father of the Amalekites. But Esau is the one that tricked his brother? Or is it the other way around? Jacob tricked Esau. Jacob tricked yes, Esau. Yes, Jacob got renamed Israel. That's right. So Esau was supposed to have the blessing, but Jacob got the blessing. Yes. Okay. So Esau became the nation of Edom, and they became the Edomites. But Amalek was Esau's grandson, but they went off and did their own thing. And so they were in the wilderness. They were a nomadic tribe traveling around the desert, I guess. But what they were known for is being these plunderers and uh, somewhat brutal attackers. And it's just interesting. You can find records of them uh, from the Babylonians, from the Egyptians, um, and other cultures around that time that this is just what the Amalekites did. And, And so it's interesting to put that in context that, you know, I, I kind of think of it like the wild, wild west. I uh, I watched a show recently called 1883 that was about people moving from Texas to Oregon, going down the Oregon Trail. Is that the Tim McGraw one? Yeah, Tim McGraw, Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah. The, the prequel to Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah. yep, yep. It's gotcha. really good. But going in the wild west and having the, the Indians there and kind of the, the natural conflict. But you also had these bandits along the trail that were just coming to create chaos. They were They were brutal. They were savage. They would take them out, kill everybody just to get the stuff. And so that's kind of what the Amalekites seem to be like. That's how history records them as being. It's just brutal plunderers. They were the guys that if you, they found you in the desert, they were going to come after you just because that's what they did. Mad Max before it's time, huh? That's right. <laughs> well, so I think the moral of the story is is don't trick your siblings because they become bad people. <laughs> don't take their blessing. 
Don't We're not going to like them later on in life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so we are, as I said, way back in the in the Bronze Age. We are still, uh, you know, rocks and sticks and <laughs> whatever they're using. I don't know the history. Don't quote me on that. But uh, but we're way back there. How is what God is doing preparing Moses and the Israelites to go into the promised land mm. point to Jesus? So I think the the big theme that I picked up on in, in reading for today is God continues to provide. He, he knows what people need. He knows what we need. Um, and he provides. And Jesus talked about it in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He said, so don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. And what we see with the Israelites um, several times just today, and we're going to see it throughout their time in the wilderness, is that, you know, God's already done the big miracles. He already did all the plagues throughout Egypt. He parted the Red Sea before him. He made the Red Sea crash down over the Egyptians. He delivered them. But when it came to their day-to-day needs, they struggled with it. They were like, whoa, God, you didn't give us water. We don't have food. We don't have this. We don't have that. God had a plan. And what he was waiting on, what it seems like, is he was waiting on them to come to him and say, God, what? how are you going to provide for us? Um, and so every time they had a need, they went to Moses. They grumbled. But Moses was like, okay, hey, God, we have a need. Will you provide for us? And God always came through. He always provided. And so, you know, in reality, we struggle with the same thing. Um, you know, I say from time to time, I mean, it, it, it really happens all the time, right? Where, you know, God does big things in our life. We're like, oh man, how cool was that? That God opened this door. God did this thing. But we, we struggle with the day-to-day, moment-to-moment needs and, and really relying on God to see us through. But um, the encouragement for today and how this points to Jesus is, is he reminds us of that. He is ultimately the the main thing we need, right? He's, he is the person that we need and having our salvation. But when it comes to the day-to-day stuff, um, he's there with us as well. And that's what Jesus tells us. You can have peace. You can, you can rest in that. God knows what you need and he's going to see you through it. Well, I mean, let's face it. We don't see the Red Sea party in front of us yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't see you know, literal mountains moving. We don't see these, we don't see people coming back from the dead, mm-hmm. right? We don't see these big miracles that God has done 2000 years ago. Yeah. Today. Um, but I don't know that we would anyway, as busy as we are mm-hmm. as a society today, mm-hmm. I think it would just pass right by us. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have to be something huge like Jesus coming back, probably, for us <laughs> yeah. to see it. Because he said, everybody's going to see it. Yeah. So, that is going to be a day when it is, everybody's going to stop in their tracks. Yeah. But we write things off. We're so, what's the word I'm looking for? Conditioned. We're so desensitized mm. to pretty much everything these days. Really. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I don't, there are so many things out there. TV, constantly pushing the envelope, trying to give us shock and awe mm-hmm. and that desensitizes to the real world. Yeah. So nothing brings me to tears more so than seeing God in the little things mm-hmm. and the little bitty things, you know, uh, happenstance meetings with people. Um, just being able to recognize, wow, God did that. Mm-hmm. That is what really gets me yeah. um, in awe of him because he, cares about us in even the little things. 
it, we don't have to have all of these big events that that Mm-mm. we did there if we just slow down and pay attention to what's going on around us today. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. Like the desensitize is is exactly the word. Like it, we miss so much of what God does in our lives because we think, oh, okay, well that's cool, that happened. You know, it's it's just a coincidence, and so often. You know, we, we don't see what's happening because we don't think about God being involved in our day-to-day lives, but he is. He's right there in the middle of it. And I think that's why we don't see the big things is because, honestly, we don't ask for the big things, mm-hmm. right? You know, we're to ask for the big things and to really believe it and say, okay, I'm going to ask for this. And I believe God, this is what he wants. So I'm going to call for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for it to happen. Like that's, well, that, that just doesn't happen in the real world, right? Like that's, you know, that happened in the Bible days, but not today. And so that's. That's why we don't see it. That's why we don't don't have those things. But it's we don't have that because we don't see them in the little things. We don't see them in the day to day. And that's you know. Let me add. Yeah, you're right. We don't ask, mm-hmm. and a lot of times people will ask. Mm-hmm. Cure this cancer. That's the biggest thing I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> at the moment, and it may not happen. Mm-hmm. But I've heard that it does. I've heard stories of mm-hmm. cancer. Just yep, it, it was bad, mm-hmm. and. Last week, it was bad. This week, it's gone. Yeah. I don't understand it. We can't explain it. It happens. God does take these things away. Yeah. Just because it doesn't happen to you or your mm-hmm. loved ones doesn't mean God's out there. That's He's right. got his reasons. Yeah. And, and we just got to pay attention to that. And we can't blame God because go back and listen to Job. Yeah. You know, um, God let all kinds of things happen to him for a reason. No, nobody wants to be in that position that he was in, but um, it was for a reason, and it was much bigger than we are. So, That's right. Pay attention to the little things. Yeah. Because that is what's going to strengthen your faith. If you can see God in the everyday little things, then when a big miracle does happen, there's no way you'll miss it. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, that's my soapbox for the evening. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us this episode. Mm-hmm. That's what we got. Yeah, that's what we got. So, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we hope you'll come back for the next one. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. <laughs> but until then, uh, y'all have a fantastic rest of your day, whatever time it is in your world. And we will talk to you guys next week. Matt, get us out of here. As always, if you've got any comments, questions, or concerns, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Anything you got, uh, hit us up for sure. You can also find us on social media. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us some other places as well, but find us there, interact, like, share, keep up with the latest that we've got going at Simplify. You can also keep up with us at our website, www.simplifyjesus.com. There you can find all of our podcasts and everything that we've got going on there as new projects come out and whatnot. And last but not least, if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, man, I'd really like to see it here, but it's not there. Let us know. We would love to get it there. But if you're looking for our podcast, it could be as simple as asking Alexa to say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and she'll turn it on for you. With all that being said, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you again next week. Adios.